Okay, we're in Job chapter 20 again. We have this high drama. The life of Job. Where there were things going on in the heavenlies and in God's economy that... Job had no idea of, and similarly, there's things going on in the heavenlies, in the mind of God, and in the purposes of God that you have no idea about, which you may or may not become privy to ever, but you can trust God. Satan has challenged the Lord or rather, it's the other way around. God gave Satan a challenge, told him, have you ever considered Job, my servant? Because Satan had told the Lord that he, Satan, was going throughout the whole world, and God knew what he was doing. He was seeking someone to devour, and Satan says, oh, well, I... Uh, yeah, I know who Job is, but you have a hedge of protection around him. And you basically prohibit me from doing what I want to do. If I, if I do what I want to do with Job, he will he'll curse you to your face. And uh, the Lord actually lets him do it. And Job loses all his family, well, not his wife, but his children, his servants, his possessions, and then his health. And we've reached chapter 20, and he certainly has not yet cursed God to his face. One thing we're learning from the book of Job is that your faith that God has gifted you is indestructible. And you can say that with confidence and not take any pride because the Bible says that your faith is not your own. It's the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. But he has three friends who... We're trying to help them, but they're not. They're being used by the devil to, to torment him. And you know, one thing that I have heard I've, over three decades now of dealing with spiritual warfare, the devil will use the weakest link, either in your family or amongst your friends, to come in and bring accusation against you but sometimes he will do that directly to your mind and that's why we learn in Ephesians chapter 6 above all things with spiritual warfare take up the shield of faith to protect yourself against the arrows of the evil one so Job has finished um, uh, in chapter 19 he One of the things from time to time he just utters a 
prophetic word. Job was a prophet. In verse 25, he says, I know my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. Then he finishes verse 28 and 29 of chapter 19, basically turning the tables on these guys who are accusing him of wickedness. And he says, well, you just verse... Verse 29 is good enough. Be afraid of the sword for yourselves, for wrath brings the punishment of the sword, that you may know that there is a judgment. You guys are going to be judged for the way that you have been treating me. And so this guy, Zophar the the Naamathite, answered and said, verse 1 of chapter 20, Therefore my anxious thoughts make me answer, because of the turmoil within me. He's just, he can't take what Job is saying. He's insulted. Uh, Verse 3 says, I have heard the rebuke that reproaches me, and the spirit of my understanding causes me to answer. So uh, he's been rebuked in verse 29. Job says, you're going to be subject to, uh, to judgment. And so I just need to respond to that. Verse 4. Do you not know this of old, since man was placed on the earth, that the triumphing triumphing of the wicked is short, meaning the prosperity of the wicked, it's, it's short. It doesn't last a long time. And the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Meaning, if you see a hypocrite, if you see um, evil people, it's going to be a short time because God's not going to allow it to go longer than a short time. Though his, speaking of the wicked, haughtiness mounts up to the heavens and his head reaches to the clouds, yet he will perish forever like his own refuse. That's fecal matter. So this actually gets worse and worse as the book goes on. He's actually comforting, but he's speaking out of his flesh. And he's applying this to, to Job. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? Speaking of the wicked. He will fly away like a dream and not be found. So you're dreaming one moment. The next moment, moment you're awake and your dream is gone. And you can't remember it. Yes, he will be chased away like a vision of the night. Again, he's speaking of the wicked. Problem is, Job's not wicked. But these people see him. He's he's got boils all over his body, just sores all over his body. He is scraping them with a like a piece of uh, a pottery, broken pottery scraping his boils, his wounds. He's lost all his property. He's lost his children. And one theory is is that these three guys insist on telling him that, look, only the wicked would, would this ever happen to because they, in, in, in their own heart, they're like, if I don't believe this, something like this may happen to me. So I'm just going to develop a philosophy, 
or a religion that says that this could never happen to a good person. In other words, they're, they're scared that if they're wrong, that this may happen to them. And so they're, they're foisting their philosophy, their religion on him. It's not based upon the word of God. Verse 9 says, The eye that saw him will see him no more, speaking of the wicked, nor will his place behold him any more. His children will seek the favor of the poor, meaning the wicked's children will be so poor, they will, they will be judged and they will be in so much suffering, they're going to just go to poor people saying, hey, can you give me something? And his hands will restore his wealth, meaning he'll have to, he'll have to, he, he goes from, speaking of the wicked wealthy person, they'll go from there to the, having to work with their hands to get their money back. Verse 11, his bones are full of youthful vigor, but it will lie down with him in the dust. Though evil is sweet in his mouth, and he hides it under his ting, though he spares it and does not forsake it, but still keeps it in his mouth, yet his food in his stomach turns sour. Meaning, you know, if he, he may have gigantic feasts that he puts on with his own with his own stealing and ill-gotten gains, but the food will taste sour. He's saying this generally of the wicked. It becomes cobra venom within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them back again. God casts them out of his belly. He will suck the poison of cobras. The viper's tongue will slay him. He will not see the streams the rivers flowing with honey and cream, he will restore that for which he labored and he will swallow it down from the proceeds of his business. He will get no enjoyment. I, 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 now, Job is going to respond to all of this. But he's basically saying they have this view of the wicked that God's just not going to let a wicked person prosper for very long. And, and the the proceeds of his business, meaning the wealth that he gained by being evil, he's not going to be able to enjoy it because God's going to come in and judge him. For he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. He has violently seized a house which he did not build. Again, so important. Remember the devil's involved in all this. The devil wants to prove himself right before the Lord, and he um, is using these guys to really heap condemnation on Job. And this will happen in a time of your suffering. And, you know, this is a repeated, repeated theme. This is a long book, so we have to repeat the themes throughout. When suffering, bad things happen to you. Uh, you know, I just know a couple folks who've lost their job in the last week. Listen, go to the Lord. Was there something about me it was, and some sin? Is there something? But if God does not clearly expose it to you, it means the answer is no. And that he has something better for you and he wants to do something with this trial. He wants to uh, disciple you with this trial. But when you're in that trial and that time of suffering, beware of your thought life Run to the Bible, 
read the Bible, run to people who you know have your reputation for prayer and counsel and ask them for prayer. Don't isolate yourself. Proverbs 18.1, he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. Pray, seek the Lord fast, but be careful of your own thought life in a time of suffering and trial. And, and so these are, these are all things that are actually being said which no doubt stir in his thought life and things that he has to struggle with because they've been put in his mind. But these very thoughts will be put into your mind because this is how Satan operates. Because, verse 20 Speaking of the wicked, he knows no quietness in his heart. So, uh, again, another, you know, this could really be used by the devil. Job, he doesn't have a whole lot of quietness in his heart. And so the lie is, you have no quietness in your heart, so you must be wicked. Not so. He will not save anything he desires. Verse 21, nothing is left for him to eat, therefore his well-being will not last in his self-sufficiency, he will be in distress. Every hand of misery will come against him. So every form of misery is going to come against a wicked person. When he is about to fill his stomach, God will cast him on him, the fury of his wrath, and will rain it on him while he is eating. So they, again, they have this idea that God is going to respond promptly to Anybody who's living a, a, a wicked life, cast, verse 23 says, cast on him the fury of his wrath. Verse 24, he will flee from the iron weapon. A bronze bow will pierce him through. It is drawn and comes out of the body. Yes, the glittering point comes out of his gall. Terrors come upon him. Total darkness is reserved for his treasures. An unfanned Fire will consume him. Now again, one of the difficulties of reading Job is even these guys who are speaking their own mind, from time to time they will say something that is true. It is true that the wicked, it says total darkness is reserved for his treasure and unfanned fire will consume him. I have just been uh, <laughs> I, 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 I must say I've, I've been meditating on Second um, Corinthians chapter one, and you're going to think this is a strange verse to meditate on, but hey, you're supposed to meditate on every verse of the Bible. And I, the reason I'm meditating it, well, let's read it first. It says of the Lord Jesus, verse 7 of 2 Thessalonians 1, that he will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not obey God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And that's what this guy, Zophar, just told Job that is going to happen to the wicked. And it is true 
that's going to happen. And uh, I've just been meditating on it just because I really want the Lord to stir up in me an agony for the souls that are headed to this end. It says, those who do not obey the Gospel, verse 8 of 2 Thessalonians 1, shall be punished from everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And Jesus and the, and the mighty angels will come against them with the flaming fire taking vengeance. And so, just the problem with being apathetic. I was praying for four or five pastors today, including Pastor Greg, by the way, and Jillian, that they would have a sense of urgency because of these kind of verses. It's so easy to become complacent and just try to pretend that, well, maybe that won't be true, so I don't have to be quite as anxious about the souls of people. That's how we think, brothers and sisters. But the Word of God, it's really clear. Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. Right here, it says Jesus is coming to punish those who do not obey the gospel. Um, and so this guy, again, this happens throughout the book of Job. These, these folks, every once in a while, they'll say something that actually is true. Now, this is how Satan operates. He'll use with you Scripture. He'll use 10%, 20% of truth and then wrap it up with 80% lies, and that's how he does his work. He always, Satan always uses truth to do his work. So it's true of the wicked and those who do not obey the gospel that an unfanned fire will consume them. It's just not true that it has anything to do with Job. His faith is indestructible. Verse 27 says of the wicked, the heavens will reveal his iniquity, the earth will rise up against him, the increase of his house will depart, and his goods will flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion from God for a wicked man, the heritage appointed to him by God. So, Job answered and said, now what Job is going to do, he's going to point out to him, this simply is not always the case. You will see some people, the wicked prosper for decades and they will die wealthy in good health. Now, do they have the joy of the Lord? Absolutely not. Do they have what you do in terms of the Holy Spirit who is um, an ever-present need in times of depression, discouragement, and that type of, No, they don't. They, they don't. They rely on doctors to give them drugs and things like that for things like that. But clearly what this guy has said in chapter 20 is not true. Verse 2, um, is not always true, rather. Verse 2, listen carefully to my speech and let this be your consolation. Bear with me that I may speak, and after I have spoken, keep mocking. So that's, what would you call that? Anyone want to shout out what that is? He's using what? Sarcasm. He says, after I speak, just keep on your mocking. Now, my experience has been with sarcasm is that 
I had to cut out probably 90% of sarcasm. Sarcasm is, is it's used from time to time, even by Jesus. But most of the time, it just breaks people down. And, you know, we talked about on Sunday, Paul said, follow my example. And um, I just mentioned on Sunday the importance of you not being lone rangers, of attaching yourself to examples of people who, people who really walk with God, and then better yet, you becoming an example that other people can latch onto. I hope that's your desire, to become that person that other people can latch onto. But Job here is being... Um, Job here is, he, he, he's sarcastic. Even though God had previously called him the most righteous person in the whole world at the time. And the reason is, he has poor company. And so on Sunday, I, I really talked about the need to cut bad company out of your life. Um, um, in, in specifically, Christians who they say they're Christians, but their behavior is not so. And the problem with the company that Job's around, it's the, even though in this case he can't help it, they're causing him to lose his Christian character, to start saying and doing things that are not becoming of a man of God. He's like, let me speak, and after, just continue your mocking. He's, he's being sarcastic there. And I tell you, um, my experience is that sarcasm needs to be reduced by about 90%. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but only that which is for necessary edification, that it may impart grace on the hearer. So, important that our speech impart grace. Sarcasm rarely does. Verse 4, as for me, in, is my complaint against a man? And if it were, why should I not be impatient? So he's saying, actually, is my complaint's not against a man. Verse 5, look at me and be astonished. Put your hand over your mouth even when I remember I am terrified and trembling takes hold of my flesh. So when he remembers what he used to look like, remember from an earlier chapter we learned he's been in this condition for months. Not years, but months. And he's just skin and bones by this point. Verse 7. These, so he's going to start um, a dialogue, an argument with God. Why do the wicked live and become old? Yes, become mighty in power. Their descendants are established with them in their sight, and their offspring before them in their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bulls breed without failure, their cows, cow calves, um, their cow calves without miscarriage. They send forth their little ones like a flock in their children's dance. They sing to the tambourine and harp and rejoice to the sound of the flute. They spend their days in wealth in a moment, go down to the grave, meaning they don't have a long, lingering 
you know, uh, illness before they die. They're not in a, a nursing home for five years in pain. They, it's a quit the... So here he's pointing out that these guys, again, they're so worried that if there's some other reason for Job's misfortune other than his own wickedness, that man, that means this may happen to me. Suffering may happen to me. They come up with a philosophy that, no, God doesn't let the wicked prosper. God does let the wicked prosper, is Job's point. There are people who are wicked who for decades, they have good health. It says in, in, in verse 11, they have kids. Their kids go to good schools. Um, verse 12, they sing to the tambourine and the harp. They rejoice to the sound of the flute. They go to parties. Um, verse 9, their houses are safe from fear in the sense that they're not broken into. Um, it, it, it says, um, in verse 7, he says, the wicked live and become old. And, and some, some wicked people for, live for decades and they become old. I was... Um, reading this week, I was one of the head of the, uh, the former heads of the Israeli Mossad. That's like their secret service. Uh, he died recently and he, he um, it, it, I started, so, so I started reading about him and uh, his fascinating life. And I started reading just about some of the people during the Holocaust, uh, and it's just really a fascinating su subject. These guys went da down to Argentina, and they hid there, and Argentina harbored them there. They had Nazi sympathizers. And um, there was one guy, um, his name was Joseph Mengele, and he during the Holocaust would experiment on live human beings. He would uh, amputate healthy limbs. He, would de he deliberately infected um, twins with disease such as typhus, and he would, um, many would die during the procedures. Um, he injected, he killed 14 twins at the same time by injecting their heart with chloroform. He would sew some twins back to back in an attempt to create conjoined twins. He would inject chemicals into inmates' eyes to change their eye color. He would, um, um, he would uh, just force inmates to go unnecessary procedures. And he... he just what he did was just so incredibly wicked. He um, came up with the cyanide-based pesticide that he used for was used for for gas chambers. Um, when there was a typh typhoid em epidemic in a woman's camp, um, he killed 600 Jewish women at the same time. He did the same thing when there was an epidemic of scarlet scarlet fever um, he would just murder them all and at one point for these things he was actually awarded uh, uh, he was a, a awarded a war merit class 
and um, he escaped to Argentina when he was in his 30s or late 30s, and he lived until he was 67, and relatively wealthy. He, when he would catch on to the fact that uh, they might find out where he was, he actually went to Paraguay, then he went to Brazil, he wound up dying in peace. He got married, remarried, um, an unbelievably wicked man. By the way, just we all have the capacity to go in that direction, to become monsters, the seedbed of our heart. That's why we so desperately need the blood of Jesus and, and, and to, to go um, to him. But why? So it, it, I say this just to affirm Joe, uh, Job's point. You have people who are even exceedingly wicked live to their very old. Um, and there's many, there's literally tens of thousands of examples of that that we could give. Um, and, and Job is saying, why, why does God allow this? Why would God allow such a thing? Well, one is that God wants to save them. You know, Paul was murdering Christians. And you're probably familiar with the verse in Second Peter chapter 3 that the, uh, he, the, the Lord is not slack concerning his return, but he is long-suffering, not willing that anyone should perish, Second Peter 3, 9. He wants to, but the, the other thing that is, is really going on, um, I believe the Bible teaches, is, is that God is showing that he is a God of mercy. Now, most people are not as wicked as Joseph Mengele. Most wicked are not that wicked. But I quote this verse a lot, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God if you're kind to the unthankful and evil because that's what God does. He's kind. He's showing his almost indescribable kindness by continuing to give men and women like that grace. But it's also true that he will judge them someday. In Revelation chapter 16, when the tribulation period begins, which the Lord says will happen at a future time after the rapture of the church, it says in Revelation chapter 16 that Paul, uh, the, uh, John says, I heard a loud voice saying from the temple, saying to seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his 
bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped the image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as, a, as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and one who was and one who is to be, because you have judged these things. And it says, I heard another from the altar saying, the Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. You know, uh, it's just not for us to ultimately judge what the timing is of these things. Um, I do believe, uh, but I do know that his judgments are altogether righteous. And it is true, as we read in the previous chapter, that the unfanned fire will consume um, the, the person who doesn't obey the gospel. But there is something else that goes on, and that is, you know, how it, we've been talking a lot on Sunday morning about how God is glorified the most. He's glorified the most when you obey Him out of joy and out of love for Him. And if God immediately judged everything that happened, every evil wickedness that happened, it's like boom, 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 boom. Everyone would just be obeying him out of fear. And God is so much more glorified when you obey him out of love, when you obey him out of joy. And, and uh, I don't know, you know, I could go on and on by this. It's, it's, it's a question that is continuously being we're continually challenged by the world. Why is there so much suffering? And why, I was just witnessing to a guy on last Saturday, and he was like, why does God, why would God allow all this wickedness just to go on and on and on and on? I do believe there's answers in the Bible, uh, but it's, it, you know, it is, it, it's true. It's not, you know, it's, it's not always easy, but, but what... What, what, what Job is saying to the, these, this guy is, what you're saying is not true. It's simply not true that, 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 that the wicked will just have like two or three years of prosperity, then boom. It's just not true. Everyone knows and has seen there are some wi uh, wicked people who, uh, verse 7, they live and become old. Yes, they become mighty in power. And so uh, he goes on, Job goes on and, and says of, of the wicked, they say to God, depart from us, for we do not desire the knowledge of your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we have if, if we pray to him? In other words, even people who insult God, even people who mock God, even people who say... Who are you that I should do what you say? God sometimes will allow them to prosper and die in health. Now we know that Pharaoh said that, right? 
Remember when Pharaoh, you know, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. And what did Pharaoh say? He said, who is God that we, I should obey him? And, but, and Pharaoh, he really felt some pain. So I'm not, it's not that it always, there's always there, God rules the world righteously with judgments, but Joe is simply trying to tell them that bad things happen, and it's not necessarily because it's not necessarily because they're they're wicked. And by the way, some people who are wicked will go many many years in in health and prosperity. So your your theory is all wrong. Verse seventeen: How often is the lamp of the wicked put out? How often does the destruction come upon them? The sorrows of God distributes in His anger. There and and so now. Um, uh, the, now, for the rest of the chapter, um, he, he does, he, I believe, for most of the rest of the, of the chapter, he says, on the other hand, it is true that many times there will be judgment against the wicked. So, the beginning of the chapter, he's like, listen, it doesn't always happen. But the end of the chapter, he says, often it does happen. Verse 18, they are like straw before the wind. They are like chaff that a storm carries away. They say, God lays up one's iniquity for his children. Let him recompense him that he may know it. Let his eyes see his destruction and let him drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what does he care about his household after him when the number of his months is cut in half? And then verse 22 it says, can anyone teach God knowledge? Since he judges those on high, one dies in his full strength, being wholly at ease and secure. His pails are full of milk and the marrow of his bones is moist. Another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having eaten with pleasure. They lie down alike in the dust and worms cover them. So, he, again, Job is just, he's trying to figure out God here, but he's saying no one can, is going to be able to figure out some people die with health and in full strength, and they may even be wicked. Then there may be a poor uh, person who just dies in the bitterness of his soul. He's starting to sound a little bit like Solomon here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Verse 27, Look, I know your thoughts and your schemes with which you wrong me. So he's, now he's talking to these guys who are accusing him of wickedness. For you say, where is the house of the prince? And where is the tent, the dwelling place of the wicked? Have you not asked those who travel the road? And do you not know their signs? For the wicked are reserved for the day of doom. They shall be brought out on the day of wrath. That is true. Who condemns his way to his face and who repays him for what he has done? Yet he shall be bought to the grave, a vigil kept over the tomb, and the clouds of the valley shall be sweet to him. Everyone shall follow him as countless have gone before him. So now he sort of switches back <laughs> in these last few verses to just point out that, yeah, there will be wicked and they'll have big funerals with many people attending. Um, and in verse 34 though, he says, how then can you comfort me with empty words since falsehood 
remains in your answers. And so, wow, it is just so important that when you counsel people, that you go in with prayer and with the fear of God and with your, not with your own ideas, but with the Word of God. There is an incredible lack of compassion here on these guys' part. And you know, it is true that it often takes the Lord chastening us and disciplining us and even allowing us to fall into sin or let our sin be exposed for us to be compassionate on the sinner. We're wicked in that way. You know, some of the most compassionate people I know are the people who have fallen deeply, deeply into sin. Now that sometimes so much that they, they love without discernment. In other words, they, they, they react too much and they're unwilling even when they have repented and they're now living with God to really confront sin because they remember their own sin. And what we need is the Holy Spirit to bring it all into balance. But I tell you, counseling people uh, is, is just really one of the hardest things to do, to counsel people with love and discernment, to know when to confront, to know when to shut your mouth, to know when to listen, to know when to challenge, to know when to be compassionate. But these guys are just doing it all the wrong way. Verse, chapter 22, Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable to God, though he who is wise may be profitable to himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it gain to him that you make your ways blameless? And I think again here you see sarcasm. This time it's by this guy Eliphaz. Like, Job, you're, you're arguing that you're righteous as if, like, that's going to help God or something? Verse 4, it, it, is it because of your fear? Is it, wait one second. You know, I, I, I performed a, a, a funeral service on, on Sunday afternoon. William Gilmore's mother, 53 years old, died. And um, the funeral message that I use is from the book of John, chapter 11, Lazarus. And one of the things that, that um, basically I begin the message by, by telling people, by the way, you can just really pray because we'll, I, got a, I got a text from William that 
there's, um, there's at least one person, if not more, who was really affected just by the testimony, the message, the gospel. Funerals are an incredible opportunity to share the gospel because a church service is probably 80 to 90% believers. A funeral is probably 95% unbelievers. And so, and a, 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 you know, a wedding um, will also have a lot of unbelievers, but funerals, in terms of percentage-wise, has the most. And so it's really, really important to, um, it's really, really important to share the gospel at a funeral, uh, which is, I was asking for prayer before the funeral because it's really nerve-wracking because you know what you have to preach. You have to preach heaven and hell. You have to do it. But you're preaching heaven and hell to people who are already grieving. And so you're going into a very difficult situation where you want to comfort the people, but... And there's the risk that you're going to be offending them in their time of greatest need. And so that's like a, <laughs> that's why I ask for prayer. Please pray. And, uh, but it's very, very clear. There's just no doubt about in my mind that, um, you know, Randy Cahill, one of my pastors, Randy, he used to tell me when you go to, to, the, to, the, to the funeral, you're preaching to the living, not to the dead. So the living people, they have to, you have to remember the reality of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and what happens to those who do not obey the gospel. So, you know, I begin the message saying, what does God think about death? And what does he think about this precious lady who is such a wonderful mother dying so young? I've done one funeral for a girl who was six months old. Like, what, what does God think about all that? And Job is, of course, struggling with this. He's like, I just don't get it. What is God thinking about the fact all my kids are dead? My, um, my body is covered with sores? What is he thinking? Well, there's answers in the Bible. Job was the first book written in the Bible. He didn't have the benefit of John chapter 11, where it says that Jesus saw, I think it's, yeah, Mary weeping. Mary was Lazarus' sister. And he saw the other people wailing with her. And it says in John chapter 11, verse 33, a deep anger welled up within Jesus and he was deeply troubled. Now that's a literal Greek uh, translation there. A deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. He, uh, and then it says, they told, and then he says, where have you put the body? They told him, Lord, come and see. And then it says, Jesus wept. So, I explained to the people at the funeral service that God's weeping at this. That's what he does during death. Even though God knows Lazarus is going to go to heaven. He's weeping. 
And he, he's also angry. He's angry at what the sin has caused because it says that when he saw the people sobbing with Mary, that's where it says a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. So he hates what sin has done with a holy hatred. He hates it. He's troubled by it. It says, if you look at the, the Greek and stuff, it was an audible groan. So was, he's audibly groaning. So he's weeping over what's going on with Job. And he doesn't even take pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says in Ezekiel. But Job doesn't have the benefit of that, and so he's just in this crisis. And we can go to the Word of God and we can find out these things. Um, and so, uh, but that is what's going on in the heart of God. He's weeping over what Job is going through. He's, he, he, the, the, what sin has done and what it's caused, it, it, it causes these kind of things um, to happen. Um, he's, he's angry at the devil. And so he's just really confused. Job's really confused. Now, this guy Eliphaz is going to try to help him out. And he says, verse, um, verse four, well, we've read the first couple of verses. Verse 4, it is, is it because of your fear of God that he corrects you and enters into judgment with you? Is not your wickedness great? great? Now, you want to talk about the lies of the devil. Here in the next few verses, you're going to see uh, the most outrageous lies of the whole book. And, and again, this is what the devil does to you. He will just, he will make up the most outrageous things and put these things in your mind either directly or through another person. Verse 5, he says to Job, Is not your wickedness great and your iniquity without end? For you have taken pledges from your brother for no reason, false, and stripped the naked of their clothing, false. You have not given the weary water to drink, false, and you have withheld bread from the hungry, false. Now, even if Job is thinking to himself, I know this is not true, he has to suffer through the fact that people think this is true of him. And that's hard. They, you know, a reputation is gained in a lifetime and it, and it can be lost overnight. You know, it, it, it's hard him thinking. He wants to be, any person who loves the Lord wants people to look at them and say, now there's a person who has a great God. And now Job is thinking, he's knowing that people think this of him. Verse 8, but the mighty man possessed the land and the honorable man dwelt in it. You have sent widows away empty. False. And the strength of the fatherless was crushed. False. Therefore, snares are all around you. Sudden fear troubles you. Darkness so that you, so that you cannot see. And abundance of water covers you. Is not God in the height of heaven? And see the highest stars, how lofty they are. And you say, what does God know? Can he judge through the deep darkness? Thick clouds cover him so that he cannot see. 
and he walks above the circle of heaven. Will you keep to the old way which wicked men have trod? So again, he's just accusing him of wickedness. Who were cut down before their time, and we already just read about some people are not cut down before their time, whose foundations were swept away by a flood. They said to God, God depart from us. Who can the Almighty do to them? Or what can the Almighty do to them? Yet he fills their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. Verse 19, the righteous see it and are glad. The innocent laugh at them. Surely our adversaries are cut down and the fire consumes their remnants. So again, he's talking about the wicked, that they're cut down by God. The righteous see it. They're glad. They laugh, which... Of course, that's a whole other sermon. You're not supposed to rejoice over the calamity of the wicked. I believe Job's going to bring that up, by the way. Verse 21, now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Meaning, you need to go to God and you need to repent, Job. Therefore, good will come to you. Verse 22, receive please instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up you will remove iniquity far from your tent. So again, this has got to be really hard for Job uh, hearing that this is what people think of him, that he's not going to God, that he's not being honest with God, that he, he, he hasn't repented. Again, lies, 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 lies. Six, Ephesians chapter 6, above all things, put up the shield of faith by which you block the... The, the darts of the evil one. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. So, you know, I like that verse, right? Because the Almighty is our gold. Wow, he's so much better than gold. <laughs> I really like that verse. This one's worth putting up and putting on your refrigerator the almighty will be your gold because it absolutely is true again you pluck these little gems out of all the these guys they with in all their craziness the things that they say from time to time they say things that are true the almighty will be your gold your precious silver for then you will have your delight in the almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to Him. He will hear you, and you will pay your vo- you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established f- for you. So light will shine on your ways when they cast you down, and you say exaltation will come. Then He will save the humble person. He will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, he will deliver, be delivered by the purity of your hands. And so, um, none of that applies to Job. Some of it is true, but Job answers in chapter 23. He says, even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come to his seat. And oh, how wonderful it is that we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, and we know where to find the Lord. 
But again, this is written a long, long time ago, uh, maybe even before Abraham was born. So he doesn't have the benefit of the Word of God. He said, I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. If I could talk to God, I would... I would be able to present my case and then I would be able to hear from him. Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. In other words, he still has a very high view of God. Even though all this is happening, he has a high view of God. He's saying, would God contend with me in his great power? No, he wouldn't. He would take note of me. He would love me. He would bless me. There the upright could reason with him and I would be delivered um, forever from my judge. Jesus Christ has given us all of this. We can go right in, um, in into the presence of the Lord. We can go right into the presence of the Lord. Um, Hebrews chapter 10 is um, what I did my last memory verses. I hope you guys are doing your memory verses. Hope you, hope you, hope you, hope, hope you are. It's, it'll, it'll, it'll form and fashion your heart. But it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, verse 19 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so um, he's saying, I-, I wish I had something like that. But he doesn't know about that yet because Jesus Christ hasn't come and the word of God hasn't come. And he's, he's, he, he's there and... But, but the Lord knows what's going on. This all has a good ending. But Verse 8, look, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, I cannot perceive him. Speaking of the Lord, when he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I really like that. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Again, take heart, Calvary Chapel. Your faith is indestructible. It's, it, 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 our, our faith is, in times of trial, will be sustained by the grace of God. And you will be saying things like this if you seek the, seek the Lord. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary food. Now, mark this one down. I, I am going to have, um, <laughs> I'm going to stop threatening this and I'm going to do it. I am going to have a workshop on fasting. But this, every time I fast, this is what I say over and over again. Lord, more than I want food, this is what I want. This is a great fasting verse. I have treasured the words of his mouth. I'd ra- I, more than I want food, Lord, I want your wisdom here. Or fill in the blank. 
more than my necessary food. I want you, Lord. Verse 13, but he is unique who can make him change. And whatever his soul desires, that he does, for he performs what it is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. So wonderful faith here that he's declaring his faith in a beautiful way after months of just misery. But then in verse 15, he's pierced again by one of these flaming darts, but I'm terrified of his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. My, for God made my heart weak, and the Almighty terrifies me because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, and he did not hide deep darkness from my face. So he's have this, have this back and forth here. 